0: What's up, y'all? This is the one and only shot for Thunder Willie Mack. It's your boy, Hot Fire. This is Fred Ottman, Tugboat Typhoon. This is Royce, is Dollar Sign. Hello, everyone. This is the Interview Queen Alicia 2. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling, Sammy Callahan. This is the AirPod God, MLW Star, Richard Holiday.
1: And you're listening to...
0: And you're listening to of broken but glorious glorious broken but glorious, bro- bro-
1: glorious. Hey, yeah. so hello everyone it's Stephen jackson aka dj215 here again for BBG wrestling with a very very special interview this time i am delighted and honored to be joined by a man i've been a fan of for many years international tape trading legend and archivist Roy Lucia, so how are you doing, Roy?
0: I'm doing amazing, how about yourself?
1: Oh, I'm very well, thank you It's a lovely sunny day here in the UK And happy uh, Memorial Day, as we just said as well Off air, you know, I hope you're having a nice time Or I hope you have a nice time today With it being 9 o'clock for you
0: Uh, yeah Um, You know, got, got a few things planned today But uh, definitely woke up a little early And uh, taking care, one of my cats uh, Woke up, uh, or went to sleep sick So just taking care of him, but uh, just you know, should be a nice, relaxing day, and get back to work tomorrow. But you know, enjoying the day off. But you know, the ultimate sacrifice was made by the veterans who uh, lost their lives in in, in uh, wars and other conflicts and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, just that's something I'm very passionate about, especially having a son in the Air Force. So oh, wow, well. yeah.
1: Is he? Is he? Have you spoke to him? Have you been able to see him as well? With um. With COVID and everything, have you been able to see him, or is he um, stationed um, elsewhere at the moment?
0: Well, uh, my wife and I actually drove out to Texas in uh, October last year to bring him his his car. He joined the Air Force in June, uh, late June, and he was stationed out in Texas in San Angelo and now he's stationed out in Panama city. Um, I always remember Panama city, you know, wrestling wise, because yeah. that's where the whole uh, Shane McMahon buying WCW happened. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly where he's stationed It's right there in Panama city.
1: Oh, wow. Um, lovely, lovely part of the world. It's somewhere I would love to, I would love to visit. And 20, 20 years ago this year that Shane McMahon bought WCW on that theater night on Monday Night Raw and Nitro, the, the dual telecast. Um, I was nine years old at the time. It was kind of a long time ago now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, it's kind of a good way to start, actually. So in terms of wrestling and y'all love, I mean, when I did some research, it started way back in, you know, the 80s and things. Was it through the WWF where the fandom started or was it through other promotions at the time where it began?
0: Oh, it was definitely a WWF in 1981. I think it was August or September uh, flipping through the channels or maybe my dad was. But I remember specifically there was this like military guy in the ring, Sergeant Slaughter, and he had a chair in the ring. And I guess he was like challenging people to come out and he would do his Cobra Clutch move. And he was tr- he was saying it was like the most uh, deadly move and no one could break it. So the announcer, Pat Patterson, came into the ring and uh, took the Cobra Clutch Challenge from Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, while he was about to break the move, I guess Slaughter did something dastardly and, you know, stopped him from almost breaking it and then started beating him up with a weapon or a chair or something like that. And he may have left him bloody. I don't exactly remember, but that was where my fandom started was at that time. So it, it truly was a huge blessing all these years later that I would get to meet both Slaughter and Patterson. And it was funny cause my wife told Patterson, oh, so you're the one responsible for him. <laughs> 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 uh, but um, yeah, it was, it was 81 that I started watching. So, uh, you know, watched WWF over the years. I still remember like my parents had a satellite dish, so I got to see the MSG network, and they would show like every six weeks or four to six weeks, the shows from Madison square garden. So you yeah. would see the whole show three hours long where it would oh, even wow. like after the semi Howard Finkle get in the ring and like give the lineup to the next show, uh, that was going to happen. So it was pretty cool to see like, and it would hype you up like, Oh my God, when, when it airs and I would tell my dad, like, Hey, can, can I get the TV on, you know, this date or whatever. Cause that's the next MSG show. And it went from that to all the weekend shows, you know, pretty much taking over the TV on the weekends. And, uh, you know, in my bedroom, I would get, you know, superstars and later like glow mid South, uh, pro wrestling this week on the satellite dish. I would be able to get like Florida, Memphis, AWA, um, Oh, jeez, there was just so much. Oh, my my dad, he, he paid to have that, like, illegal black box stuff. So we would oh, get all yeah. the was and, you know, I, I would get to have friends over, and we would all, you know, watch the pay-per-view at my home and stuff. So great times, great times growing up for sure, you know, just being a huge wrestling fan. And, you know, I went to my first live show in 85 at the uh, Anaheim Convention Center, and since then, you know i've lost count of how many but it's it's got to be if not over 2000 at this point
1: wow wow that's um that's a lot of shows you know all around the united states as well have you been to every every state or are there some states you've not been able to get to yet to see live wrestling on the usa map
0: um been to shows in iowa um, cause I was there for Waterloo for the, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, that version, the Luthez George Drago's Hall of Fame. So. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. The professional wrestling hall. Is that yeah. The, yeah. The prof- yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I went out there for, um, it was like Baron Von Raschke, uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Beth Phoenix, uh, a few others that were there for it. It was probably, I think it was July of, uh, 2019 that I was there for that uh obviously go to vegas a lot um yeah it's really is a hop skip and a jump away either drive there i mean in the 90s me and some friends at the time used to drive there for the nwc promotion they used to have the guys like sabu cactus jack terry funk even like virgil junkyard dog um, oh wow yeah, so we would drive the four hours to those shows because like Sabu was such a huge name in the yeah. mid 90s. And the promotion, you know, had him and and those were just insane how um popular those those shows were and stuff. So we would drive out there. That was the first time I met Mike Tanay, uh, before he was with WCW, by the way. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh those were but yeah, though that, that shows so Vegas, um, you know, growing up near Los Angeles, that that's definitely in, in the early nineties to mid nineties, that was a hotbed, especially for Lucha with those AAA shows at the sports arena. But um Oh, I've also been to Mexico City. I was there like oh, last yeah. year. Right in the middle of the pandemic, I mean, we had tickets for all these events, we did about a week of shows, and then all of a sudden, one by one, promotions started shutting down, and we had to, we were actually told by the government to get out of there. So, wow, uh, yeah, have <laughs> you, was,
1: um, have you, were they shows at Arena Mexico as well? Have you been to shows? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh,
0: we were there, uh, I believe it was March 15th, I want to say, we were there for a show, um. There was a, a tag match for a new, maybe a national title or something like that. I remember Phantasma was there, giving the the new champions who it was. It was it was like, you know that that's holy ground to me. That would be like somebody yeah. going to a Madison Square Garden or, you know, some other major building or something like that, or you know, flying into the Tokyo Dome or whatever. Arena Mexico is like holy ground to me. So yeah. it was just amazing to go there with my wife and and be able to experience that.
1: Yeah, I um, have a massive um, passion for, as as i said, you know, Lucha Libre and the one place I want to go is to Mexico and to Arena Mexico. Just as you said, just because of how historic it is in terms of its legacy, in terms of not just Lucha Libre, but wrestling as a whole. I mean, like... Lucha Libre and, you know, you look at El Santo and you look at, you know, the Guerreros and then you see how it's evolved over, you know. I mean, the 90s, obviously, as we spoke about off-air, was kind of where it exploded in terms of a national and maybe international scale. You could even go as far as, you know, in terms of guys like Rey Mysterio and in terms of guys like Sikorsis and Juventud Guerrera and, you know, um, Conan and, you know, Los Gringos Locos and things. And, you know, being able to... Experience. I mean, obviously now those times have gone, but being able to experience the atmosphere and being there for you know Lucha in its you know holy holy ground essentially would be such an ex- amazing experience, and it's something I would love to do. And you know, a lot of those guys I've just mentioned came around in the early nineties, and as we said off air, you became a you put yourself as like me a bit like hardcore fan in, in nineteen ninety two, and was it sort of the debut of Triple A and Lucha, what kind of brought that hardcore fandom out that it was this new, exciting, um, promote well, the promotion and these new wrestlers coming up, like Rey Mysterio and his peers.
0: Yeah, that was the amazing thing, too. Was okay, so I mean, I watched Lucha in the late 80s, but you know, you flip through Galavision, uh, in the you know, in Los Angeles. But the thing is, like, not speaking of it at the time, I really had no clue, like, what the regular process was to be able to see it. I just remember flipping through, like, no other wrestling was on and go through the UHF hoping to find, like, world class and the other, you know, promotions that you could find on there and you would see Lucha on there. I remember flipping through and you would occasionally see guys in, from the states that you would recognize that, you know, weren't wrestling in the United States anymore. Guys like Kevin Von Erich, Kamala, uh, Solomon Grundy, Oh, Uh, yeah, it it was crazy. And you you would see them and like, oh, well, this is where they've gone and stuff. And um, I believe it was late 91. I really started to figure out like, okay, it was on 3 p.m. on Saturdays. So I started watching it more regularly. And then in March of 1992, I went to a show at the Anaheim Convention Center And there was a guy sitting next to me, his name was Gary Skyberg, and he was reading this, like, because I was always used to the after mags and the magazines from the stores, he had this, like, it said wrestling on it, but it had no pictures in it, and I was 17 at the time, and I asked him about it, what is that, and he told me, oh, it's called the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and he actually gave it to me, I um, looked at it, read through it, and it was just like... It's a sponge. I just like tried to get all the info I could out of it. So that night I called the phone number inside. I actually spoke to Meltzer, uh, got a subscription immediately. Uh, Meltzer, we started talking and Meltzer, I told Meltzer, I had a satellite dish and he's all, if you have a satellite dish there, there's these channels that get promotions that you can watch on a satellite dish. And um, in the back of the observer would be a thing called the reader's page. And I'm going to assume he got rid of the reader's page because too many people were like putting stuff up for sale and uh, weren't following through. And, you know, people would go after Meltzer and he didn't want to get, you know, get legal uh, people coming after him like, hey, you you assisted this or whatever. But in the reader's page, all these people in there would put like, you know, Roy Lusher of Garden Grove has these videos and is looking for these videos. You would see people in there that were <laughs> looking for figures old um, newsletters, uh, shirts, anything wrestling-related that you could potentially find. Um, So I started recording the lucha off of the satellite dish, like UWA, uh, CMLL at the time. Yeah. And one thing, too, is like a month later, Meltzer put in the Observer. um, By the way, if any of you live near these stores, these stores get weekly Japanese TV shows. Now, obviously I had no clue about Japanese wrestling. The only thing I knew was like the, um, WCW new Japan super show and just being mesmerized with Steiners against Hase Sasaki and, Growing up watching AWA is like Jumbo Shruta, Masa Saito were like some of my favorites. I mean, even to this date, Jumbo Shruta is my favorite wrestler of all time. Wow. So I was like, how do I get this? And Meltzer put in there, well, if you live near these places, these stores get the weekly TV shows in. Luckily, living in Garden Grove, he listed stores in Stanton, Anaheim, and Costa Mesa, which were all like 10, 15 miles away. So uh, me and some friends drove to those stores. Lo and behold, I mean, everything was in Japanese, but we would go up to the person and say, excuse me, pro wrestling, where can we see it? And they would, like, show us on the tape, puro resu. And he would say, oh, this one here, this is for the women. This one here, yeah. this one, this is Anoki's company. This one here, this is Baba's company. This one here, they fight with glass and barbed wire and all this. <laughs> that is Onita." So, I mean, we, we rented everything I could. It was anywhere from like 50 cents to a dollar a day. We would get home, watch them. And I think we bought a second VCR so we could record them for ourselves. So I had the original taped off a TV. I would do a first generation copy. So by the time summer hit, not only I was starting to get a a decent name in the observer because not only was I getting the luch off the satellite dish, but I was getting the Japanese videos too. And then also lo and behold, in May of 92 is when AAA first started after Antonio Pena broke off from, from CMLL and brought all the wrestlers over. Yeah. So my God, it was just a hell of a time, you know, everything just falling into place and, You know, I would want to see and get everything I could potentially get my hands on. It didn't matter how old, how new, you know, what country it was from. I wanted to try to get everything. I really had that mindset and I just loved everything that I got to watch. Now, nowadays, with so many promotions worldwide, I I can't even like try that. (laughs) Oh my God. It was just a hell of a time. And, you know, I did the whole tape trading thing. I think I ended with about, Six to eight thousand tapes. Wow! In uh, probably summer of '96 is when I just finally called it quits because it was starting to get to be too much. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's how the whole uh, fandom and you know all the international stuff started.
1: It's, it's incredible. Like literally, like listening to it, it's incredible. It's such an. I mean, today fans are so lucky in that we have internet accessibility and you can just find this stuff you know, at the touch of a button or on YouTube or on some kind of streaming site, but, you know, having, it's not similar. It's kind of similar for me where, you know, trawling through before YouTube and before all all those days, you know, trawling through magazines, trawling through the internet, looking for tape traders. And your, your name would come up as one of the people who the tape traders in the UK had got the originals of for things like Lucha and things like, you know, the 90s. Um all Japan and stuff like that, which is where kind of I got to know your importance in this you know segment of wrestling in a way, and you know that that like you said, soaking it up like a sponge, you know, seeing a guy like you know um love machine art bar was a guy who you know just he he just grabbed me so just through the screen that I wanted to see everything of his or like seeing a guy like as you said Onita and seeing FMW and wanting to see everything of Hayabusa and you know Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome, or then seeing the four pillars in all Japan it's such a Fans today, you know, they're so spoiled with all of this being at the touch of a button, but then having to seek it out and find those tapes and find good quality tapes and not being able to, no English commentary, all either Spanish or all either Japanese and having to learn it, or, you know, find it all out and everything. It's such a um, exciting things to be able to have been part of. And I mean, in terms of you... And your wrestling sort of knowledge and things—did you? Was it a surprise just how expansive wrestling wasn't? I mean, obviously, like you said, you had a satellite dish, but like, did what's the most obscure place you found tapes from, or you found um, footage from when you've been doing tape trading?
0: Um, There was a show in '92. It was called Pinoy Championship Wrestling, and it was on the dish satellite dish from the Philippines, and i remember melzer posting about it and actually like i asked around and somebody told me like where on the satellite dish to find it i actually watched it for like two months and wow i remember it was like the most random crap in the world it was like <sighs> like the midgets and like these guys and stuff like that and the funny thing is i remember like they would announce like uh, we are currently talking to WWF, so in the future we should hope to have the Macho Randy here and the whole. <gasps> Ho- I'm just like, yeah, in a million years this ain't ever gonna happen. But it, it was like they would half speak Tagalog and half English, so I mean, I was actually able to follow it along pretty good. Uh, you know, being 17 or 18 or however old it was, but um, that's probably gonna be the most random and obscure. Um, I. I mean, it just, but, but yeah, most of it was, you know, Japan, you know, and, and, and Mexico. I mean, a lot of the the Europe stuff, too, especially, I, you know, I loved watching the Autobahn stuff. I was actually mesmerized yeah. by the, the round systems, you know, yeah. and yeah, it, I, to me, it was like you really appreciated guys like Owen Hart that would do the world traveling thing and you would see them in uh mexico doing blue blazer and then you would see him in europe doing the rounds thing and then you would see him all over the world doing all these different promotions uh, new japan uh as well you know getting that world traveling experience i always felt like if if they were traveling to all these places you know it it would help them become a better wrestler down the road so yeah definitely like like jericho did with um you know, going to Mexico uh, as Corazon de Leon all those years.
1: Yeah. I was literally just about to say Jericho is a good example of a, of another guy who, you know, went down to CMLL and, you know, he'd faced Ultimo dragon and then, you know, he'd obviously been then in smoky mountain and then, you know, he went over to Japan and he was in the super Jacob, which again, the super Jacob was probably, I remember in terms of tape trading, the super Jacob was the thing I'd read about through, you know, message boards and through, um, you know, magazines was the thing I really wanted to see. And th- that for me was where, I mean, I'd seen guys like Liger on WCW and I'd seen, you know, obviously um, Eddie Guerrero and at the time um I'd seen Hayabusa in FMW, but the, the one I really wanted to see was the Super J Cup because that was such an influential, you know, event. And seeing that and, and holding it in my hands and being like, I've got this event now and I can watch it watching it over and over again on, you know, on DVD and on tape, you know, it was just such a exciting thing that, like we said, it's always a a Christmas present, you know, waiting to open up and see what gems are there. And have you seen, you know, saying to friends, have you seen this? Or, you know, look at this, this is amazing. Look at so-and-so before they went to WWE or so-and-so before they went to, you know, WCW and stuff. It was such an exciting, you know, thing to be able to do. And I mean, in terms of tapes as well, like, have you um in in terms of actually storing them like i know that tapes one of those things where you know you've you've got there's such a and dvds you've got to have the storage available to be able to keep them like oh, you yeah. know as it got bigger and bigger did did it kind of did you have to rent out a storage facility no, or big uh, no no
0: <laughs> i made i made room in my bedroom uh <laughs> luckily um, when my parents moved to Lake Havasu in 2001, they brought all the videotapes with them. Um, I believe I found the majority of them. I remember going to my mother's four or five years ago, maybe maybe a little more, and having to rent a U-Haul to bring them all home uh, here where I live at the time in Folsom, California. And my wife is going through it just like, okay, what are we doing with all these? Like, don't worry about it, I will mail it all out. So... Uh, It took me a couple of weeks, but I think like 50 to 60 tapes at a time. I mailed them all to my friend, Chad, um, who former ECW wrestler, Chad Austin, who uh, lived in Baltimore. So the thing with the United States is you can actually mail VHS tapes, media mail. So I would mail, I would mail them all to Chad. He would get them uh, convert them to DVD and I have no clue what he did with the original, but it is a lot easier to store one hundred DVDs than it is one hundred VHS tapes. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's um yeah, I can I can um you know, a tribute to that as well, given that I was doing the same thing of taping everything I could find and then having to convert it to to DVD. And then, you know, it's much easier to store a a DVD. And it's also safer in the sense of, you know, that VHS tapes, due to them getting, um, you know, damaged or the the tapes being, you know, um, I don't know, warped, you may say, the, the footage can get particularly um you know lost and i mean a lot of in terms of the lucha stuff especially you know it, it's interesting because a lot of lucha libre um archives and things haven't necessarily and and history quite a quite a bit of the history has kind of been you know lost and a lot of it. it's even been through word of mouth or has been through really extensive research and things and, i mean did you realize that you were kind of keeping hold of some stuff what may never be seen by anyone else ever again in that you were like um it might not be kept by AAA or it might just be gone like did you realize the scope of what it was you were actually recording
0: no and here's the thing too um conan told me a few years ago when i started uploading all this stuff he's like we don't even have the rights to this apparently Televisa owns the rights to all the footage from 1992 to 2003. And the thing is, Televisa does not care. They're never going to put it up. They're not going to have any kind of streaming channel or or whatever. It's just sitting in in a freaking warehouse somewhere. So um, I've never once had uh, Televisa hit me on copyright. I've never had GalaVision come at me on copyright for any CMLL stuff as well. So... Um, I've never had XEQ, by the way, and that's a, a whole different matter, by the way, is when it comes to XCQ, they were getting stuff. Now, XEQ was a smaller station in Mexico that you could get on the satellite dish. However, I was personally taping the Galavision feed um, off the satellite dish. All these years later, um, I ran into Mike again at Cauliflower Alley uh, two years ago, and he heard me talking on Brian last podcast the 605 podcast about converting tapes to DVD he approached me and said um, I got a bunch of VHS tapes here probably don't want to say 1500 but what I would do is I would tape everything from a weekend six hours worth and if you want you could have the tapes all you got to do is send me the originals uh, like I'm starting the originals the um the disc once you're done converting it. So Tane would send 50 tapes at a time or a hundred to Chad. Chad would burn them to DVD. Send me a copy. Send Tane a copy. Wow. Uh, a couple of months into it. I started realizing because uh, Rob Bahari, uh, Rob Viper, for those who don't know, he's had a YouTube channel. He works with high spots. He's a, uh, uh, a huge Lucha expert, by the way. Yeah. He started he is. telling. Yeah. He started telling me, like, you realize this XEQ stuff. This was not shown in the United States, so I'm going through these discs, and even like as of a couple days ago, I'll find an XEQ feed. That's why if you ever notice on my Triple Layer CMLL that I upload, if it's not from Galavision, I'll put XEQ on it because it's stuff that was not shown in the United States, and for oh, the most, wow. part, never been seen before. Um, so, like, the, the the big tape traders out there, I'm not going to say their names because they've gotten legal letters from the, you know, WWE before, but the big tape traders out there told me, like, this stuff, they didn't even know it existed, and on these tapes is usually, like, shows that aren't even listed as TV tapings on, like, Cubs fans' website, like, LuchaDB or uh, Cage Match will list them, but not as a TV taping or have results or anything like that, so... It's pretty amazing to me to see all this stuff years later. I mean, we're talking 25, 30 years later. I'll be going to disc and it will say uh, a three-hour block, AAA, CMLL, XEQ. And I'll start going through it. And first thing I'll do is I'll hit up Rob Bahari. I'm like, hey, I just found this show. Uh, what do you know about it? And, and he's all like, oh, once again, this is something that has never been uploaded and we didn't even know existed on video. So, <laughs> wow. um that's been to me, especially. I'm gonna say the the gold of all this stuff. That and um oh the, one of the things that Tenay sent me was um, he got Rick Carter's collection. Rick used to work with NWA WCW doing their 900 number stuff, and uh, I guess Rick had a direct link to the the satellite feeds when they would do like interviews or whatever. One of these tapes had like a Ric Flair satellite footage of him just sitting there for two, two and a half hours with, um, Wendy Fifi talking about, uh, Starcade and, and Vader and all that stuff. And when I found it, I uploaded it and I told a friend of mine who works for 2K Sports about it because he's close friends with Ric Flair. He sent it over to Rick and Rick is just like, oh, my God. So, yeah. like, I had WWE contact me like, please, can we get this? Because I guess it's going to be uh, featured on a future um, Hidden Treasure show. Uh, so it's just amazing the, the kind of stuff I've been able to find. But. To, to me, the, the XEQ stuff is probably going to be the, the stuff that jumps out the most just because yeah. it's really never been seen before. But even just a random TV show to me, like it's something I've seen. But then I look like a month or two later and it's got like 200,000 views, like some match from uh, San Jose in November 93, like like Ray La Volador, all these guys and stuff. It, it's amazing what gets the views yeah, and what doesn't, but even if it doesn't, to me, it's like I'm just glad it's out there because I've had so many of the boys, like you know, Conan and Jack Evans, and so many that are just like you know, always, not only say always mention me, but like when I talk to them, they're grateful that it's out there. Even a couple of weeks ago, I was in Baltimore for Chad's wedding, and Missy Hyatt was there and telling me like she enjoys my YouTube channels and stuff for all these <laughs> lucha gems and all that. So it's um. It's definitely rewarding, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's such a, I have such, like I said, I I really am such a fan of your commitment and fandom and, and being able to allow me as a fan to see so much content which would have never have been seen by anybody. You know, and like when I look on the, you know, the channels because you've got separate channels set up for all of the different promotions, CMLL, you know, AAA, All Japan Women's, um, yeah I think you've got territories as well I think is one of them and you know you've got them all set up and everything because I had seen what was interesting is there was the time before where I was following and then you got taken down and then you've had <laughs> a different structure now which you know is cool as well because it allows you to split through all the different promotions and see all this stuff and you know it, it, it's remarkable just seeing the you amount. know what
0: happened you know what happened there, by the way, was, so I used to put everything up on the same channel, and then, lo and behold, Samurai TV would get a stick up their ass, and uh, yeah. the, the channel would come down after, like, two, three years of work, and sometimes I used to find stuff that I didn't even have it on disc, like a friend would Google Drive it to me, and it was, like, you know, rare stuff or whatever, and, I, I like, a lot of that, like, POPO, I, I ICW stuff, yeah. and I don't even know where the hell to find that anymore, so... I learned my lesson and what I did was like I wanted to I had this format I was thinking where if I put everything on its own channel if uh, someone decided to copyright strike me well one channel may come down but the other nine are still up so that's the reason that everything is on so many different channels. And even inside of the channel itself, like if you go to AAA, there are playlists on there. AAA TV 92, 93, 94, 95. Same with CMLL. It's like uh, 89, 90, 91. I I, I do all that to try to make it as easy for fans as possible to start watching from the beginning uh, of a year and all in order so they can enjoy it. Um, When I'm done with these 300 discs here, I have every single All Japan TV show from like you know 78 to like 98 i'm trying wow. to put them all up but it's like these discs that i get from like Tanae and what Chad has converted from my personal collection it's like i want to get through this first because i just keep finding hidden gems on here i'd rather find something that's a hidden gem than something that uh, you know has already gone up and been seen before yeah. so that's just my philosophy on that
1: oh yeah you know i mean like the stuff um The lucha stuff, especially, like I said, I I, uh, and yeah, the 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 years have been such a godsend to me. Just being able to go through each year and being able to watch, you know, every, you know, every match that's gone along, and you know, every week, and it's been such a, it's such an exciting thing to see, you know, these these gems from. I know I keep using that word, but guys like you know Rey Mysterio Jr. in his youth, and guys like, because they're the guys for me. The the cruiser because. I grew up watching the Cruiserweights and WCW, so that's where my love of wrestling originates from. Just seeing these wrestlers who were like superheroes in that they had masks and they had amazing outfits, but then the stuff they were doing in terms of the ring work was just unbelievable in terms of, you know, just the speed and the agility and the chemistry. And then, you know, you see it then, you know, before in like AAA and in CMLL, and it's like it's even more crazy. And those fans who were just making it even more you know, exciting and, you know, I mean, we we spoke about um just before we started recording as well, probably the most important international pay per view in terms of the relationship between Lucha Libre and, you know, American wrestling was Triple A's When Worlds Collide, which, you know, you were very lucky enough to attend in person, which, you know, is the one event I wish I could have seen live. And I mean, as you just said, I mean, that atmosphere must have been unbelievable
0: oh, oh yeah for sure so um the first triple show happened august 93 now before then because i was so used to the local shows by that point i mean i started going to lucha um in person at the cal state los angeles shows my first one was september 92 It was like dandy negro casas uh, a few of those guys were in the main event um so I started – I went to like every Cal State show from that point on, Vampiro's first show on uh, October 10th, 92, yeah. uh, the Halloween show, uh, all those shows. In fact, I still have all the posters right here, like the big ones I I saved from outside the building. Oh, wow. Like Blue Demon personally autographed. I mean, the guys were cool because uh, like guys like Ryo and Demon, like I would explain to him like, hey um, – uh i'm a fan they were pretty amazing you know this this white guy was you know at the shows or whatever in fact there's even to this date i went to a show in modesto a couple weeks ago and i was the only white guy there but (laughs) you know i mean that's common at this point for me but um they were always so generous and giving interviews and and all that so um I went to all those little shows, and I was always used to buying my ticket at the event. Well, I go to that first AAA show, and uh, I think 10,000 fans got turned away because they, it had already sold out. So from that point on, I always bought my ticket ahead of time. So for that, when Worlds Collide show, I bought my ticket like maybe a week after they went on sale or something, uh, drive to the event with some friends, get there, and lo and behold, uh, I'm sitting front row, literally front row, <laughs> Uh, It's crazy So um, The amazing thing is As great as a show as that was There's a lot of little things Like if you had not been exposed to Lucha Before that and that was your first experience It may come across as the greatest thing ever And I'm not going to knock that show In the sense that that, the greatest live match I've ever been to in my life Uh, Santo and Octagon Against uh, Eddie and Art Barr Was on that show But all the matches being one fall besides that and all the entrances being taken away, it was crazy talking to the Lucha fans at the event. And afterwards, all the Americans are coming here to take it over and stuff because what I guess WCW, you know, paid for it. But they were very strict in telling Pena the show can't go over two hours. And obviously because of the, the entrance music issue, I mean, La Parca comes out the thriller and. You know, all these guys have original music. You know, Blue Panther is La Puerta Negra. Um, But none of the guys were able to use their music. I think uh, early on, uh, no, Espectrito came out to his music. And at that point, they realized they had to go to all this generic music for all the guys. Yeah. But it was a huge turnoff to a lot of fans there. And I think the next time they ran in that building um, was it was my birthday my 21st birthday July 15th, 1995 was the next time they ran there and a building that normally seats 17 18,000 fans it couldn't even get like 7 or 8,000 fans in there wow and it was a, it was a, a loaded lineup too it was like the day before bash at the beach uh 95 uh, down the road and then they ran their last show at the sports arena and that was the star of death match that's like um <laughs> Oh my God! I, if, if you've never heard anything about this event, apparently Conan Ray and a few guys uh, t- were were given full uh, permission to do anything they wanted with the main event. So apparently, with c- them coming off of ECW, they turned it into like an extreme cage match. And Meltzer happened to be in attendance at that event and started talking about, like, all this crazy stuff that was going on in yeah. the main event that was just originally a tag match but turned up having, like, 12 people involved in it and stuff. Um, but at that point, it was just, like, so many of the fans had turned on it and preferred going to the little shows because they thought the Americans were going to ruin it, which yeah. the, the funny thing was, like, they had only worked with WCW that one time to, to do the pay-per-view
1: yeah it's um it is strange how like we said off off air that you know it was kind of the moment where it all could have you know gone one way but it all went the other way and again you know the authenticity like you said i i from doing research and writing you know about the actual event you know finding out that you know it had to be cut to the two hours and that you know they weren't allowed to have two. i mean watching it as well on tape you know two out of three falls is the tradition in lucha but then uh, everyone's got one four matches and you know apart from the um the tag match between uh los gringos locos and um, el hero del santo and uh, octagon you kind of think well this, this isn't lucha in the sense of it being lucha and what i've seen you know and as you said you know it's that kind of authenticity what was being possibly taken away and you know it's a shame and it was also a shame as well because you know um I mean, I will I will say on air as well, but, you know, Love Love Machine Art Bar is the one wrestler who... It, it, he was the guy in terms of tape trading, as I just mentioned earlier on, but the guy I wanted to see as much of his work in Mexico as I could just get my hands on, because seeing him in that match with Eddie Guerrero was just on tape, let alone being in the building. He just lit up the screen. And being in that arena and being in that atmosphere where... It was mask versus hair, like you've said, and, you know, it must have been such a thrill to be able to see him live and his whole, you know, aura. It must have been incredible.
0: Yeah, because, you know, unlike nowadays in the United States, I mean, there's this like line that you're being told um, you can't do certain things for heat. But in Mexico, they don't give a crap. Like, you know, they'll they'll no. use a dead wrestler. They'll use... Uh, race, um, sexual preferences, all that stuff. They don't care down there. So the thing is, like, Art and Eddie were doing everything they could to get the fans to hate them. And I mean, <laughs> they were on the ground looking at the fans and swimming and laughing. Yes. Up. Telling them like the you know basically the reference was the the way you got here to America was by swimming, and I mean, yeah, they would,
1: swim the river.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they would throw crap at like Eddie and Art and guys like that just you know because the, the heat the, the level of heat was insane. And at the time in California, there was a proposition on the ballot in the state of California called Prop One Eighty Seven and the thing with 187 was if it had passed and it did by the way um, that if you were not a natural citizen of the United States that you could not get medical services and your kids could not go to school if they were not uh, legal citizens or um, whatever so Eddie and Art while they were like hyping each other up was let's do it for 187 you know which yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, the, there's that. There, it's it's <laughs> on that match too. And I, Tanae talks about it, like what it's about. But, uh, oh my God, the level of heat, though, th- those two, they had no, uh, filter whatsoever on what to get heat. Um, you know, and then that still exists nowadays in Mexico, you know, like even a yeah. few years ago, Jeff Jarrett, when he was in Triple A, like, um, Karen, I believe, is his wife. She would throw yes. tortillas at the fans and call them Beaners. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like the difference between Karen, Jarrett, and TNA versus Karen, Jarrett, and AAA is just like, you know, night and day. So it, it, it was crazy to see the stuff that was going on. But, you know, just the level of heat that Art and Eddie were getting. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the reason Eddie was doing the frog splash was as a tribute to Art. I mean, yeah. Art is, is the known creator of it. You may see some videos of, of somebody doing it here and there before Art, but Art was the first one regularly doing that as a finisher.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember watching that that particular match and the bit where he um, they did the – the superplex followed by the frog splash. And then art got right into the camera and did the one, two, two, three, right into the camera and then shouted, that's what, you know, that, that was made in America. Just the whole, like, it just, he just, he was a guy who, you know, when you talk about people being world traveled, he obviously, things happened in WCW in the USA. He went down to Mexico and, you know, he then reinvented himself in Mexico and became this, ultra heel in terms of what you just said he the the heat what he was able to generate and the stuff they were doing was just riots would you know happen yeah. you know which was you know when there's that um i've got it on i've got it on dvd but there was the show where they um took the masks of um el Hido del santo and then he started getting beaten up and then um the fans were just going crazy, you know, like the stuff they were, and Jake the Snake getting involved and, you know, Conan and all of that, you know, it's just such a magical time to go back and watch as a fan, even though it's on tape, you know, and being there in person must have been, like I said, such a privilege to be able to see. I mean, in terms of wrestlers you have been able to see live, who is the one you feel most privileged or lucky to have seen wrestle?
0: I mean, that was Art's last match and I was there. So, I mean, to me, that's always you know, that's going to stand out, you know, even if art hadn't passed away, be in there live. I mean, just that atmosphere. I mean, I had my bags packed. I reached down and grabbed uh, the stuff with, with the mask I had and, and uh, I may have bought a couple figures there or whatever. I was ready to bail out of there thinking like, you know, this, it, it was about to get serious. So um, that one, she's, uh, Anytime I get to see hijo de Santo by the way, you know that's gonna be the closest thing to you know seeing El Santo I mean there's still that yeah. aura around hijo de Santo and um yeah any, any anytime I get to see that that's a big one she's uh, just I think seeing uh Antonio Inoki live at the peace festival, which by the way tomorrow is 25 years to the date that the event happened. Wow. Yeah. I'm actually, when I get off the uh, air here, on my way to a local um, custom frame shop, and I was going to have a custom frame made uh, with the Peace Festival program, an unused ticket, and all the photos that I took of the event. And oh, I, wow. So um, seeing Inoki live, uh, seeing Liger. Oh, uh, yes. Uh Akiyama, his one and only match in the United States. I was there front row for that. Wow. Um You know it's crazy, is is as, as much as I saw La Parka in, in the 90s and, in local little shows that didn't even draw a hundred people. I remember, you know, because obviously I want my wife to be exposed to all this stuff as well. And I would take her to the Lucha shows here. And I always asked her, like, which wrestler jumps out at you is the one with the biggest aura around them and she says oh La Parka by far, LA Park now. Yeah. Like he really he really comes across as being a big deal to somebody who doesn't know his past. So yeah. Uh that's a big one to me is you know LA Park as well. But um being at that Peace Festival show and seeing Liger and Sasuke in in a match yeah, just... and you know I've obviously seen Liger many times before and after. Um a funny story was a couple years three years ago I was at a show in Long Beach and uh I was I went down to the hotel room for breakfast and there was like this softball team or cross country team that, you know, took up most of the seats. I still looking around and an unmasked Liger tells me, hey, come here, sit with me. And I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> am I dreaming or what? And got to, you know, eat breakfast with them and stuff. And wow, you know, an amazing time. So Liger Liger definitely has that aura. You know, it was sad to see him retire but you know, it's obviously about time his body just couldn't yeah. handle much more of that but um, yeah that that's another one but you know, Anoki, Liger, Santo Akiyama, you know, I have been blessed and lucky to see a lot of these guys Eddie too on some yeah. major major uh major um stages too.
1: Yeah big fan of liger as well he he's the one japanese wrestler i wish i could have had the opportunity to see live and shed many tears when he um when he retired last year um i'm not ashamed to say that you know given again much like the cruiserweights of wcw he was the guy who showed me junior heavyweight wrestling in japan which is again a different style entirely to heavyweight wrestling of you know all japan or you know the Anokis and you know the um the heavyweights of New Japan, you know, completely different style. And Great Sasuke as well, you know, Michinoku Pro again is another promotion which I've avidly oh tried God, to yes. watch stuff from. You know, and the UWA Japan stuff, which, you know, was pre um Michinoku Pro and the stuff the the hidden gems there, what you can find with these guys like Taki Michinoku and Men's Teo and Kaz Hayashi and all those guys. It's the chemistry is just um on, on fire given you know, the speed they work out and stuff. Um,
0: you know what's it, crazy is I didn't even discover until a few years ago that Shida was Kaz Hayashi.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I can't remember. I remember watching a – I think I was watching one of the early shows in Michinoku Pro, and they did a close-up of him, and I thought, oh, he looks very similar to Kaz Hayashi. And then I went on – as you do, I went on to Cage Match and had a look, and it's like – Oh wow, it's Kaz Hayashi after all. <laughs> it wasn't Mecky, you know. So I, I, like you, was like, "Oh wow, I didn't know that he was there," you know. So um, he's so again hidden gems. It's always amazing finding these guys who you didn't know had gone on as far as they've gone on and wrestled in these places. And you know, it's interesting as well because you just mentioned it's kind of going slightly off the tape trading, but I know another of your great loves in life is um action figures, and you know you have a lot of action figures and you have some particular figures from nine, put a YouTube video up of 1994 A figures, which uh, probably there was a question I was going to say about them being sent to the most sentimental figures, but are they the most sentimental ones in terms of the era and just that they are a complete set and you've had them signed? those particular figures look awesome, by
0: the way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Definitely the sentimental is going to be the Kellyans. Uh, so when I first got into Lucha, I, you know, I was a big, um, obviously a big fan growing up of wrestling action figures. I mean, 84 for Christmas, 10 years old, I got the LJN ones and, you know, I played with them as a kid and all that stuff. I started hitting my teenage years, LJN grand toys ends. We go to Hasbro at those point. I start like uh, not opening them up. Um, Lo and behold, I get into CMLL, and in 92, the official San Francisco Toymakers one pop up. And it's crazy how, the, how readily available these are. I had them at the time. And then in 93 in, – uh, by the way, if you always notice on videos, everyone says 1994 A Kelly because that's the copyright on the back of the figure. They actually came out in October and November in 93. So, but, you know, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, be that guy like <laughs> online when you see somebody spell something wrong. Uh, oh, there and there and all that. And it's like uh, the spelling of it. And it's like, no, I don't want to be that guy. But uh, late 93, the A Killians came out. I saw them at the shows at the sports arena. And then uh, friends of mine would travel down to Tijuana, Mexico, and they would tell me that they would see them at pharmacies. And if they, like, psychosis or a few others, like the rare ones. We started catching that at the live events, they didn't have all of them. Like, you didn't see yeah. Ray, Sagrada, and psychosis at the live shows. You only saw the other nine. So we, um, my friends that went down to Mexico... would would do these trips and they would go to the stores to see if they could find those rare three. Uh, I mean, for themselves, they found them. But for me, I think they found an extra psychosis once. But when I started getting back into wrestling in 2011, 2012, Luckily, uh, Gabe uh, Ramirez runs the Pro Wrestling Revolution Company up here in the Bay Area in San Francisco. I started going to his events, I guess 2016 or 17, forgot what year, but the second show I went to had Octagon and Atlantis on it, so I went to the show um, with uh, with with those guys. And I had this crazy idea of trying to get those Kellyans again because I didn't see them at my mother's when I went there to get the tapes. So I bought an Octagon figure from Brian Moran, who runs uh, Santo Street, and he had some Kellyans at the time. And I got it autographed. So lo and behold, I mean, I was working more. I was more financially secure. I tried to find the figures one at a time. So I think I got to like six or seven of them. And lo and behold, it was like, okay, how do I find the more rarer ones? I did a whole video. It's up on YouTube about, like, how I got each figure. I mean, some yeah. of those started to get pretty pricey. I think the Psychosis was the one I paid the most for, uh, $480 uh, U.S. dollars. Wow. And it was from a seller over in England. There was a guy in Germany who put Moscow Sagrada and Rey Mysterio up on eBay and the crazy thing was, it was you had to click international in order to see the sale. The With, like, six hours left in the auction, there were zero bids. And I saw it, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I had to work the next morning, but what I did was I set my alarm for, like, 5 a.m. because the auction ended at 5.30, and I wanted to, like, sit there and up my yeah. bid in case, like, anyone tried to outbid me. But lo and behold, I got it for, like, 220 euros, which, wow. yeah. 200 American dollars, which like nowadays, like the Ray alone would probably go for $1,500 wow. uh, if you could find it. But um, I started getting them autographed one by one. I mean, everybody but Paraguayo, you know, is alive. So yeah. I would go to events and, you know, get them all autographed. And the final one last Halloween, I went to um, Monterey, Nuevo León and got the Ciancaras one autographed.
1: Wow. It's yeah. like, you know, um, it's like trading cards, but in real life form, isn't it? Getting to, that's incredible. You know, they look awesome figures, like I said. They look awesome. Like, I I love and I did watch that video and, I, you know, it still amazes me that, you know, that you were able to, to get them all and they're behind you on the wall and everything and just how they just look so, again, they're like they're like superheroes they're not just like wrestling figures you know they just have a a, luchadors just have this amazing aura to them where they just transcend for for me they transcend wrestling in that you know it's the costumes and the maneuvers and the whole aura of them which is so exciting you know and it's amazing to have them all now i mean in terms of the actual wrestlers themselves you know is they was, were any of them shocked as well when you brought them to them? Actually, that's an interesting question. Did they even think, oh, Ray. wow, I've forgotten. Yeah.
0: Ray. Yeah. Ray. Uh, so at Expo Lucha in 2019, you know, I, I told Ray because he was like a week or two away from going to WWE. Yeah. And I told him, hey, if I ever get that figure, I swear to God, I'm going to bug you and come to your home and get it autographed. And he's all, hey, I don't even have one. So uh, I think a year and a half later, like I got it in the mail and this was like around the time of the TLC pay-per-view and the next day they, there was a house show in Stockton and I saw him and Dominic get out of the vehicle and I yelled something to him when he came over when I handed it to him he was just like oh my god I he had he didn't even have one and he hadn't seen one in so long wow but he told me like the it's the only one that he's ever autographed so wow. I yeah I literally have the only ray mysterio triple a kellyan in the package that's autographed he wow. signed he signed the the front his wwe like ray mysterio but he signed like the back like ray mysterio jr triple a yeah wow um for the other ones uh i think santo was like he couldn't believe that you know an american oh heavy metal uh I oh guess yeah Yeah, he really kind of flipped out on that one because I told him, you know, I I flew here to Mexico City. I even brought him an extra figure and gave it to him. Uh, He didn't even have one. And I took him and his wife, his daughters, out to dinner. And when I gave him the figure, he was, like, choking up. And he called his daughter over and he's like, "Um, hija, ¿quién es? Like, a daughter, who is this? And his daughter's like, four or five years old and her face lit up. And she's all, oh, it's me, papa. Like, this is (laughs) my Oh, Wow. And if you ever see any videos that Heavy Metal does, you can see the figure like right behind him on his wall, like he's just really happy to have that. And it, it, as a as a father, uh, and as a fan, I think that meant the world to me to you know be able to give him that experience. You know, wow, that that's in,
1: again it's incredible. You know, your influence not only on fans but the wrestling industry is just outstanding. You know, I think the commitment is just. I mean, it's just astronomical and does it amaze you just that you are so recognized by so many people worldwide and that you are so well respected among wrestlers and the promoters and just the whole industry with the commitment you've done as a fan? You know, is it overwhelming at times?
0: Thank you. Yeah, I I mean, I work a regular job. I work, you know, eight to ten hours a day. I work six days a week. I get home. You know, do the husband thing, do the, you know, my, my son's in the Air Force and I'm a kitty parent. You know, I got three rescues here. But, you know, like right now I'm in my room in front of my laptop, got these discs lying around and, you know, put a disc in, see what's on it. If something is like super rare, like two days ago I put a disc in and all the disc said was best of John Tolis. So I had no clue what it was. It was a bunch of, like, John Tolis from big-time wrestling and all that. The last 40 minutes was 8 millimeter footage from 1975. It was like John Tolis and Greg Valentine against Andre the Giant. Wow. Uh, it, yeah, and I'm just like, what the hell? So I messaged the Olympic Auditorium Twitter page, and they just got back to me this morning and said it was actually filmed by... Um, the guy from Family Feud, Richard Dawson, his twelve year old son, he gave him a eight millimeter camera and he would go to all the events and film everything. Wow. And it, none of this stuff has circulated. So was like wow. You know, it's like so I've been putting it up on my Wrestling Territories channel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, it, it, why the hell am I not putting it up on my Olympic channel? It's from the Olympic. Now that I think <laughs> about it. But, <laughs> um but uh yeah, I um it's amazing. Like I said, Mike Tine giving me his collection was huge because I'm really finding a lot of stuff in here that's not circulated. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be where I am without his help, too. But a lot of this stuff, it's it's nice to be able to open up a disc and find something on here that either hasn't been seen in a long time or just, to, you know, bring back, you know, some smiles and memories to people's faces.
1: Absolutely. It, it always makes me smile and just excited, just the stuff you find. I mean, in terms of, you know, actually um, starting out and watching the stuff, is there any, I mean, I've seen a lot of things over the years already, but in terms of recommendations for anyone who's listening to the podcast, um, who may not be familiar with your work, are there any particular matches or promotions or anything, what you've put up, what you would recommend people check out i'd say everything but um is there anything in particular so much
0: it's a tough one because it's like okay are you into japan well you know i got a japan classics all japan all japan women channel uh when it comes to lucha it's like i got uwa which you know a lot of americans and some of the guys that When they like Andre Bigelow, Too Cold, uh, Canem Express, I mean, so many of these guys were doing excursions there, yeah. So, if you check that out, you'll see a lot of like, uh, I to me, even now, UWA is such an underrated promotion, and I really wish they had done a lot better job uh, filming this because amazing, like. There are some commercial tapes of some of their 90 and 91 stuff. That's the only way we have that blue blazer footage uh, yeah. of, of him, the, the mask match. But uh, AAA, I mean, I've tried to get as much as I can. Uh, oh, as a heads up in the next, probably tomorrow in the mail, I'm supposed to get the, what I have. I work with Rob Bihari and we found someone who had all of the 1994 stuff that I haven't uploaded yet from CMLL and AAA. It's in the mail tomorrow so i'll start uploading some of that um so expect a lot of triple a and cmll in the next few days
1: Uh, um i wish i didn't have work this week now (laughs) i wish i could just sit there and watch (laughs) y'all
0: so uh definitely uh keep an eye on that but it's all all preference and like i mean you watch triple a early on what's crazy is you watch the early triple a and you'll see Ray Mysterio was not the focus of the young stars. super Calo no. was yeah. super cala was the guy that they were trying to push to the next level. And I guess just Ray's talent level, you know, you, you can't when you, you start getting a connection with the fans and all that, you can't deny it. So at that point, that's when they started pushing Ray to the moon was later that year. But the early triple A with like Callow and and Winners and a lot of that stuff is just, you know, even looking back it's just amazing how great that stuff was
1: it's such a such an exciting it it just makes you smile i think it's just you know happy times watching wrestling for me and you know the wrestling i love watching just because it's just fun to watch and you know always discovering something new and just being able to see these you know matches from these guys who you know like i said all along earlier on would would be lost you know and it's such a exciting thing to to be able to watch you putting it up and then, you know, such a privilege to be able to, you know, you know, just be thankful that you have kept a lot of this stuff from being wiped or being lost or being, you know, um, hidden away from people. If it was, you know, for um, copyright infringement or the like, you know, so again, like I said, I'm just incredibly grateful for what you've helped me to see and to find in terms of wrestling and, you know, it's just um, been such a privilege to be able to speak to you this after well, this evening for me, and you know, this morning for you. It's been an absolute privilege after all this time.
0: I love doing shows like this, so it's absolutely a privilege on my behalf too. And uh, no, thank you. I promise to keep doing everything I can to put the word out there, and so everyone knows. I don't make any money off of this. I don't monetize any of these videos. Um, if I upload something and a promotion asks me to take it down, I will out of respect, but I really try to do all I can to get the word out there, you know, so the boys can relive it. So the fans can relive it or, um, a fans can see it for the first time. I mean, it's, it's not always easy to put, to watch something that you really have no connection to and kind of put yourself there and understand why this got over like it did. But, when you when you sometimes you watch this stuff and it's really just insane how, how great some of this stuff was and just uh, make, makes you really appreciate how wonderful a time this was for wrestling and I'm not knocking any of the promotions or anything nowadays I, I love wrestling nowadays too I can't wait for everything to fully open back up so we could have fans again and and everything uh, at all the shows because fan reactions is one of the biggest. Yes. Uh, positives cheese It's just even this morning just watching um i was watching warrior slaughter from royal rumble 1991 and it's like that the, the way the fans blew up warrior coming out to the ring it's just like i miss that in
1: wrestling yeah it does make such a big difference and from speaking to wrestlers as well it's a completely different mentality and psychology and working without fans there because you've got to read the um the, the psychology of the actual match totally differently and not working while there are fans there is and and to t v cameras predominantly and to the camera is a completely different you know experience to work there with the fans as well, so I agree as well I can't wait to you know have fans back in and I can't wait to go to events again you know i I want to go to events around the world, you know like I said, I want to go to you know, the Tokyo Dome, I want to go to the Arena Mexico, I want to go, you know, to um, Madison Square Garden, all these places which have for a long time seemed kind of out of reach now, you know, I want to be able to experience them firsthand and see it all and experience it and feel it from, you know, when you've been just watching it on a screen for so long and then it gets, that that's the only way you can watch it. You then want to be out there in the atmosphere and feel it, you know, and see it first hand, you know, so I think um, 2021 hopefully, touch wood, it'll all, you know, get right for going forward into 2022 and beyond, you know, and the wrestling industry is in a a good place, you know, there's a lot of young talents who are doing great things and, you know, it's great as well, like I said, because we've got such um, accessibility now with things like YouTube and, you know, streaming services to see The things you're putting up for example which would have as i say i keep saying but would have been lost so you've got the mixture of the old with the new and the accessibility to go with it to see things live so i think we're very fortunate as wrestling fans you know i feel very fortunate
0: oh yeah absolutely and um all these years that i Was trying to be the big dog around where I lived, and then last year going to Mexico City finally, it really kind of opened my eyes up, like, you know, kind of get out in the world. Obviously, things are a little strict right now, and, you know, no one knows, you know, what tomorrow holds as far as, like, uh, where you can go, what you got to do in order to get where you need to go, and all that stuff. But once everything is fully opened up, I really advise everybody there Uh, Take some vacation time go to somewhere you've always wanted to go uh, and definitely enjoy it and give yourself a little time to enjoy it don't stack everything back to back so you can enjoy something while you're there Uh, you know walk around enjoy where you're at but let me just say Arena Mexico was like a dream come true to finally go to it last year and all the events that took place that weekend were amazing but. Uh, definitely, that would be my one of my biggest advice for somebody that wants to um, uh, get is just get out in the world and enjoy these things and see them uh, when uh, the time and the opportunity presents itself.
1: Absolutely, um, couldn't finish the interview on a better note than that, I think. And the you know this chat has been. I've waited for it for a long time, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for joining me and just sharing your story as a wrestling fan and just as an archivist and a, you know, a, a wrestling. I'm gonna go as far as say, you know, a wrestling god. Although Kenny Omega is referred to as the wrestling god, to me, you're a wrestling. Wasn't
0: god. that JBL's uh, name? I think so. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it may be, um, oh, but no, no. It, it, you really, you really are to me. I hold you in such high regard and. You know, um no, you're welcome. No, no, thank you. Um and you know, the um, the last thing is for for everybody, where can people find you either on social media or where can people find all those amazing playlists and just that content that you put in up all the time?
0: Um, so my website is called Roy's Wrestling Vault dot com. It's always being uploaded updated all that every day when i put a video in and i see something i usually put it on the mexico the japan the you know whatever you'll see tabs on there with like all my videos and uh what's on each one and like i said i'm always updating it that's why you'll see like you know one through a hundred and there may be like eight um Three different disc 83s is just, I don't want to sit here and just like keep redoing the list over and over again every time I find a disc. I'll usually wait a month or two and start putting them all up. But um, that's on there is my Roy's Wrestling uh, is where to see all my discs. As far as my videos, I got like nine or ten different YouTube channels, all different reasons. UWA, CMLL, AAA, All Japan, All Japan, Women, Territories. I say WWWF, but it's got a little bit of everything on there. Um, Houston, Olympic, all kinds of stuff. I am on Twitter at, uh, let's see what I'm at now. Roy Luscher, R-O-Y-L-U-C-I-E-R, uh that's where i probably just put like random videos up all the time that i'm seeing probably more active on there than i am anywhere else i do have an instagram i don't use it much but i think that's at roy lusher 100 rudos um that's probably about it
1: that's um definitely enough for everyone to go and go and find you and follow and i'll put all of the links to all of those playlists in the um, description of the interview so everyone can go and check out all of the content you've got there and as I said again you know just thank you for you know joining me today and just keep safe with everything as well just with what's going on you know we're still in you know we're still in COVID although it's getting better you know but just keep safe and just carry on doing what you're doing because I definitely can't wait to see those upcoming CMLL and uh, AAA tapes from 94 believe me I'm gonna be waiting there with bated breath (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, thank you
1: no you're welcome and just to finish off everyone you can find us on our website at com, and you can find us on twitter at BWGwrestling. wrestling so that does it for me steven jackson with this amazing interview with royal lucia keep safe everybody and catch you all soon.